Welcome back here to KZSU 90.1 FM, just past the 4 o'clock hour. My name is Jacob Nydig here for the winter quarter edition of the Sports Zoo, joined in studio by no one at the current moment as we are currently getting adjusted to the new time, currently waiting on my fellow co-host, Zach Zaffron, who due to a previous arrangement, will be joining us in about 15 minutes or so. Should have a special guest star to be named later. But as always here on the Sports Zoo, it's not about who's on here. It doesn't matter what sport we're covering. The Sports Zoo is about bringing the sports and the community from those sports that each of you love. And, you know, many times in sports we talk about, or here on the sports zoo, I should say, we talk about what it means for particular fans when their team is doing well or for when their team is doing bad. Zach, obviously huge Warriors fan, You've had people on that support various basketball teams, various football teams. We have people like myself that have fellow colleges they also support. But, you know, something that we haven't necessarily touched on that I think is equally as interesting that came up in one of my classes is, you know, what role sports have in society as an institution. Once again, if you're just now tuning in here, my name is Jacob Nydig, live here on KZSU 90.1 FM, one of the hosts here of The Sports Zoo, a weekly talk show where we jump into everything related to sports. Joining us in about 15 minutes or so will be my co-host, Zach Zaffron. But before we jump into that, you know, there's an interesting argument raised in one of my classes, which is that sports are currently taking the role of religion. In society and now for some of you you may hear that and you may think oh wow whoa who is this guy on the, the radio he's comparing religion to some measly game while others may be saying yes yeah, sports are completely more important than religion so I want each of you out there listening for those of you here in Palo Alto and on the farm for those of you regionally located around the Bay Area and for those of you tuning in from across the country or even abroad to put yourself into the other boat. Go go against your natural intuition about whether or not sports have a role similar to religion in society. So now that you're in that opposite field, I'm going to go ahead and walk you through one of the arguments that some people in the sociological field are making in terms of religion the first argument that they're making first of all is more just that society is moving into a more secular destination meaning religion is playing a much lower role younger people are choosing to partake in religion less and less but that desire for community that desire for a bigger purpose is not gone. That's something that religion has filled, you know, to be able to understand what happens after life. But there are 
plenty of things that sports can do about that same thing. And some of those similarities start with kind of what it means to actually be a fan. The parallel being drawn in one of the articles that I read by this researcher was essentially that sports draw a never-ending commitment from a person with a strong sense of community, with a strong sense of right and wrong, and with oftentimes irrational actions. Many of which, and all of those things, religion replicates. Or I guess I should have probably explained it in the other direction. But nonetheless, if you're a sports fan, you show up to your sports team's game. You go to Lambeau Field. You go to Wrigley Field. AT&T Stadium. Whatever that may be, the argument that the author made was essentially that that is your version of going to church. And honestly, I mean, I don't know what the population at churches in Green Bay, Wisconsin look like, but I would imagine that Lambeau Field has a much, much higher attendance than a church does. And so beyond that, though, you have these other places that are highly revered. I mean, when we think of Catholicism or Christianity more broadly, some of the biggest churches, for example, uh, St. Peter's Basilica, in Rome, um, Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Those are the biggest of big cathedrals and churches. You're looking at the city of Jerusalem. You're looking at Mecca. You're looking at all these different places and buildings and place and things that have much greater significance beyond just being a building or a city. The same could be made for some of these historical places. Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, some of these places, you know, they, they've been around for a hundred years, if not more, and they hold extreme value to many sports takers. The next you have kind of that dedicated commitment. If you're a basketball fan and you have to go 82 times to go watch your team play, or you just keep up with half of that. Let's just say you, you watch half of your team's basketball games. That's 41 games right there. That That's a sizable, sizable number. And so, you know, that's something that, that is just interesting to think about, first off. Now, beyond that, Some of the more nuanced things are kind of what sports should be doing in society and kind of how we want to to play those in. And and that's up for interpretation. And that, that really is beyond the point. But I just think it's interesting that, you know, this argument can be made. And so I think here on the sports, we, you know, we often talk about, yeah, what's happening with the Stanford men's basketball team? Did you see the throws that Jordan Love made this past weekend? What happened to so-and-so on the field? But at the same time of all these day-to-day sports interactions, sometimes it's fun to, you know, look at it from a completely different lens. And I have nothing 
but curiosity about what role sports will continue to play. I think especially as we move towards a world where football takes huge steps in terms of acknowledging the risks towards players, but many would say still not enough, especially in the terms of concussions, CTE, and everything related to head injuries, you wonder, like, where will sports go down in history as a whole? And, you know, here on the sports, we really value sports for the community it brings. We really value being able to tease your friends whenever their team loses, and we really value nail-biting together. But we're not beyond looking in a bigger lens, figuring out what are sports. Those are questions I may never answer. Zach, you know, he's truly the philosophical one between us. He probably has an answer, but that's one that we won't be able to hear today. So jumping into more of our normally scheduled programming, which is basketball and football. Right now here on the farm, we've got some of the best weather in the country, and this weather really is quite tough. I absolutely hate it, so my heart goes out to all of you because right now it's 57 degrees, and and I'm quite miserable. So for those of you, whether you're in Nebraska, Texas, New York City, or wherever you're at across the country, bundle up, stay warm, and do what you have to do. But this weather is accompanied by, for many people, their favorite time of the year because of basketball season. Stanford women's basketball currently comes into the year playing, having played 17 games. They're 15-2 and two on the year, but currently just dropped a double-digit game against Colorado. So this roster, you know, is really pretty interesting because you... Lose some people, obviously, return some people, and have to figure out a way to navigate the ending last year, which was a huge disappointment by all stretches of the imagination. You you don't have as many scoring options, but you do have some veteran presence. You're looking for who's going to fill in some of those question marks, And really what the basketball team can do. I think the most interesting thing is that Coach Tara has been able to rebuild. By going 15-2, and currently rated in the top 10, and undefeated at home. They are 10-0 and at home. Absolutely fascinating. And, you know, with that, we have so much to talk about with the women's basketball team. But... Our, my fellow co-host, Zach Zaffron, and our highly heralded guest star, currently a Division One head manager for a team that is top five in the Pac-12, coming off a few huge, huge wins, none other than Els Boone himself. So give me, we're going to take a quick music break here, get them all set up, and we'll be right, here on, right back here on KZSU 90.1 FM. Welcome back to KZSU 90.1 FM. Once again, my name is Jacob Nidig, your co-host here 
on the sports zoo. The two guys are all good and ready, set up. They're done warming up. They're done stretching. They are ready for tip-off. Zach, go ahead and kick us off. Jacob, I, I can't believe this is the first time that our very own Els Boone is joining us on the show. Uh, for those of you who don't know Els, uh, I'm quite surprised. He's, he's, he's perhaps the most famous uh, undergraduate among Stanford student body. You may have heard of him on Fizz. You may have seen him on TV, ESPN, Pac-12 Network, whatever it is. Els Boone, like Jacob said, head Stanford men's basketball manager, a lot of experience um, in sports agency, sports media. We can talk about all of that, but uh, most importantly, Els, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm surprised, you know, just like you that I haven't made it on yet. But uh, I'm excited to finally be here and be talking uh, any any kind of sports with you guys. Yeah, we, we had to save the best for last. Uh, not to say this is the last, but, um, you know, Jacob over there is a bit of an old head. I'm, I'm reaching that status myself. Um, Els, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, I know you're from uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, what's it What's it like been... What has it been like coming over here? Um, what are you most interested in? Obviously, a basketball head, but for those of you who don't know, Els, Els is a quite knowledgeable about quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, so I mean, kind of just to introduce myself, I'm a senior here at Stanford studying communication and a bit of econ. Originally, like Zach said, from the East Coast, from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Are we? Done a lot of different sports things here at Stanford. I'm a head manager for the men's basketball team. I also ran the sports section with Zach for the Stanford Daily for all of all of last year. Um, I've written a couple articles this year, but pretty much retired from the daily and done a bit for KZSU. Used to run a sports podcast through the daily with Jabril Taha. If you guys are familiar with his commentary for KZSU, then uh, Jake um, and I outshone him. But uh, but you know, excited yeah. to finally finally be Martin on. Was a little bit too saturated for them, so uh, <laughs> they had to exit while they could still get some out of their get some money out of the company. Yeah, but no, L is obviously bringing uh, quite a lot to the table um it was what two summers ago you were at an athletic department is that right yep yep two summers ago i was back home at the old dominion university athletic department pretty much working in development fundraising for them so that was a pretty cool eye-opening experience to learn about how collegiate athletics are run and then come back to stanford and really just understand athletic departments more definitely and then last summer uh you were with wme out in new york what was that a little bit like uh, it was pretty cool kind of just getting to learn about the agency side of things you know see the day-to-day of what an agent's life is working on endorsement deals for different nba players nil athletes got to work on a deal with zach which was pretty cool <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean getting to be on zoom calls with guys like rj barrett anthony edwards kind of like a dream come true situation for me Crazy stuff. um just got to you know really just got to learn a lot it was a great experience well the past is the past the future is the future but right now well said zach in this moment well said. stanford men's basketball is third in the pac-12 since you've been on the farm, Els, you've been a student manager since your freshman year. Is this the best Stanford men's team that you have seen? You know, I definitely think it's it's the most well-rounded Stanford team I've seen. You know, we finally have a true point guard in Jared Bynum. Um, we have some dynamic freshmen, Kanan Carlisle, Andre Soyakovich, who really provide a good scoring punch off the bench. Um, and then we kind of just surround everyone with shooters. You know, we, we can kind of run a five-out offense. Maxime Reynaud, the big man, can step out and shoot the three. He's also been pretty efficient inside. Michael Jones is a great get from Davidson two years ago. 
Um, he's come on strong, really, um, in Pac-12 play. But, you know, this team is, I think, really rounding into form. You've kind of seen, especially once Cannon Carlisle became eligible um, right before that Idaho game, you've kind of seen this team start to rattle off wins. They've won four of their last five um, and have a pretty pretty nice stretch these next three games where if they can go 3-0 and there, you're look, you're sitting pretty at 7-2 and in Pac-12 play and back on the bubble in terms of NCAA tournament. Yeah, Els, uh, go ahead and, and kind of walk us through how the, the team dynamic has changed with the emergence of Kenan Carlisle. Yeah, I mean, I think he just adds a different dimension that no one else on the team possessed before. Probably the most athletic guy on the court whenever he steps onto it. Um, and no one really has his vision either. You know, can score from anywhere on the court, passes the ball well. Um just really, you know, provides a different dimension. Can also defend, um, which is what really we were missing. If you look, this team's kind of been average defensively. If you look at the metrics throughout the year, and getting Kanan back, he can guard those quicker guards from other teams. Uh, really helps out a lot. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, a lot of ups and downs. Um, kind of already that trademark top five upset. I feel like Stanford's always due for one of those. What was that like, you know, to cap off 2023 with an upset victory and in, in, in quite uh, dominant fashion, really, over number four Arizona? Yeah, it was great. And, you know, I wish I was there in person. I was back oh, home in Virginia Beach wow. um, for Priorities. winter break. Priorities. I missed the <laughs> I missed the two Arizona home games. You made it to the Bahamas, though. But yes, I did get to go to the Bahamas. And, and Paris as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, I was, I was at home watching on my couch New Year's Eve for that Arizona game but it was it was it was great to watch from home um you know dominate dominate a top five team in the country um kind of every facet of the game took Umar Balo out um and everybody was hitting shots you know it was it was great to see and you can I think everyone really got to see a taste of what this team is capable of you know if they can if they can even get within kind of a small snapshot of that performance that day they can be any team in the country and you need to see that going forward in Pac-12 play I mean they took out the most talented and the best team in the Pac-12 why can't they replicate that performance against everybody else yeah and i mean i think that begs you know the question you do that you beat arizona and then two games later you get thrashed by usc and and that feels like it's been a story of the program what what kind of went wrong or what 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 diverged between those two performances in your opinion yeah i think kind of when you look at the way yeah, I think it's really matchup space for these two games. If you look at how these teams are built, USC is very guard heavy. Isaiah Collier is going to be a top ten pick in June in the NBA draft. Boogie Ellis, who's been, you know, a, a great point guard college basketball the last five years, um, and then also James. Kobe Johnson, the younger brother of Jalen Johnson, who who's a player in the NBA. Um, those three guys are pros. Um, James, competitor <laughs> <laughs> and winner. You know, it was cool to see LeBron at the game, but I'm not going to speak too much about Bronny right now. He didn't have an impact on the game offensively at least um, but you know those those three guys the three main guys for USC we didn't really have an answer for them uh, I think each of them scored over 20 points or something like that um, and it's you know when you have three guards that can all score at all levels and you gotta when we're not a great defensive team either and and shots are going in as much as as much as they did especially in the Arizona game it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one to win I don't think we match up perfectly against USC like we do against some other teams Arizona a bit relying on inside the paint play and that's where we can kind of you know use an advantage there as you saw we pulled out the win um but you know USC USC and ASU are two Pac-12 losses that was an unfortunate game Arizona State up double digits early in the second half up for pretty much the whole game and then you fall fall apart there in the last two minutes um that one was tough but you know 
teams been able to kind of stick together, go four and four and two in Pac-12 play, sitting in third. I feel pretty good heading into this next little stretch. And yet, funny enough, USC is two and four, good for tenth in the Pac-12 right now. Meanwhile, Arizona State four and one for second. Um, what is it going to take for the Stanford team to really become matchup proof? I figure, and we can talk about this later down the road. Longer term aspirations, whether that's Pac-12 or even beyond the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, you can't really rely on who you're playing on the other side. You've got to be a team through and through, know your identity. Um, I, I suppose it starts with the guards. I'm curious, like like Jacob said, Kane and Carlisle coming has changed things quite a bit, one for the last five. Uh, but w- what needs to change or be a mainstay for that to happen? Yeah, I mean, I think, one, um, Kane and Carlisle definitely a lot more a lot more comfortable out there and playing. You saw he started the last game, the last couple of games with Jared Bynum out with an injury. And I think Kane is a bit better of a defender against against those guards. You know, Jared Bynum's giving up a lot of height. Um, you know, coming in at five ten. Um and five eleven. Five eleven. <laughs> sorry, sorry, five eleven. I think I think Ells knows the insider information. <laughs> still still regardless five ten, five eleven giving up quite a bit of height there at the at the guard position. I mean Isaiah Carlos six five. Um but you know when you want, as Zach said, you want to be matchup proof. You want to be able to go out, play your game, and impose your will, and not not worry about who's on the other side of the court. Um, you just got to kind of stick to your identity, and you know, be confident in your stuff, um, and be confident that you know, even if the shots aren't falling from three, that you're going to be able to get it done inside. And I think you know, Maxime's played really well those last two games and struggled a bit in kind of those games before Oregon State. And if you can kind of get everyone playing well, well-oiled machine, and not kind of be reliant on you know one or two guys I think that's really when when you'll see things start to take over in the future absolutely so you know next up you have Washington and Washington State starting off with Washington State here at home then you travel at Cal at Arizona State at Arizona are any of those games uh, particularly important to you? What's what game is circled on your calendar? Well, I'm I'm even though I you know I'm a manager, I'm gonna give the head the classic, man, head manager, yeah, head manager. I'm gonna give you the account. classic the classic coach speak, and that's that's the next game. You know, I saw this thing on Twitter the other day. There's this this college basketball analyst who does a tiers ranking of all the Power Five teams. Roths. Uh, no, it's not a it's not a well known guy. It's like someone like me who just puts out <laughs> tiers. <laughs> deep cut, deep cut. <laughs> um, but he put out. Kind of these tiers ranking, you know, different teams, um, and at the top you have like elite, like Final Four contenders or whatever, and you know at the bottom you've got like no chance of making the tournament. Stanford's kind of in the middle, um, and their tier name was "Can't Take a Night Off," and I think that's a perfect a perfect definition for this team right now. Is you know you're sitting at nine and seven, I think you're what in the eighties or nineties in the net rankings, and you want to you want to climb up. You're gonna have to show up every night and just grind out wins. Um, you can't really afford many losses here. The only losses you can really afford are at Arizona going forward, at Utah, maybe even at Colorado. Uh, you got to kind of sweep at home the rest of the way, and so you got to just kind of go one one game at a time and know that you got to win that. You can't afford to really to really take any losses if the NCAA tournament's your goal, which it is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure it's been the goal the last few years, and and as close as we got, you know, stuff happens down the line. Um, is that? almost the expectation rather than the aspiration at this point what's the really the sentiment in that locker room you know i think the sentiment is the team knows that they have the talent to to be in the ncaa tournament i mean you saw with the arizona game 
um, and kind of and taking out Utah, who coming into the game with number nineteen in the net rankings, yeah. so basically a top twenty-five team in the country. Uh, they took out two two best teams in the net in the Pac-12. They know they can compete with anybody in the country, and you know any any team that can compete with anybody in the country should be in the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of their attitude going forward, trying to you know they know they can beat everybody and just coming up and playing their game. Yeah, what would what would you say kind of the personality of this team is, Elza, uh, and how has that differed from the last few years, especially with so many new new faces on the farm now? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think this team's a bit older. Um, definitely, definitely been younger in the past. I mean, now you start Jared Bynum, who's in his, his sixth year of college. Michael Jones also in his sixth year of college. Spencer Jones fifth year. Maxime's a junior. Um, and then Brandon Angel's a senior, and so you're, you know, Maxime's the youngest guy in that starting lineup um, as, as a junior. And then, of course, Kane Carlisle, Andre, going to play big minutes off the bench. They're 18 and 19 years old. Um, but I think this team's just older. You have you have two guys, Michael Jones, Jared Bynum, who have been to the NCAA tournament before. Their past schools, they know what it takes. They know they have that experience. Um, and then Spencer Jones, Brandon Angel, Maxime have been battle tested in the Pac-12 before. They know, you know, how competitive this conference is, night in, night out. Um, so I think that's kind of you know the difference. They've they've kind of been there before. They've been in these situations where they need to they need to win, um, and you know they have they kind of have the the full team, the talent to kind of kind of get there, and hopefully they do. I'm curious, is this success a, a blip in the timeline? I mean, uh, like you said, been younger, but a lot of experience here, um, and we can expect you know a pretty decent season, especially for Stanford standards. But next year, two years down the line, further down the line. What can we expect? Can we expect it to be sustained? I figure, like you said, you know, Brandon Angel, Michael Jones, Spencer Jones, Jared Bynum, James Keefe, Max Mur- The list goes on and on of guys that are out the door. Um, I guess it does remain to be seen. Stojakovic, Carlisle, do they stick around? Even Reno, really, at this point with how he's been playing. Um, what does the future of this program look like? Is that something that's even being considered, giving some younger guys some run, making sure they're comfortable? Yeah, you know that's a that's a great question, and one that honestly I don't even think I'm equipped to answer. I, I mean, kind of as you as you said, Zach, a lot of guys out of eligibility after this year. You know, Brandon Angel, Max Burrow could come back for a fifth. They could call it a career. I've I have no idea what they're what they're looking to do, honestly. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of guys out of eligibility. They've got one recruit signed for the for, for next season. Um, and kind of the way college basketball is now, you see the transfer portal exploding. You know, every spring they could go out and bring in five five transfers and be a top five team if they bring in the top five transfers. You know what I mean? Okay. Or they could, you know, not not bring in any transfers and it'd be a rebuilding year. Anything could really happen, and I think kind of we'll have to see in the spring. But hard, hard to predict now. But definitely going to be some spots to fill um, just because you have to from a scholarship point of view. Uh, Els, you know, Giannis, after that infamous loss, that it, it starts with everybody. The players, the people that wash the jerseys. You've got 32 months under your belt as a manager. That kind of continuity, good for the team as well. You've got an opportunity here to come back next year. What Have you made a decision on your eligibility as head manager? <laughs> um, you know, I think the deadline's coming up for me to apply to a co-term, and I, I have no plans to apply Whoa. for one. So I live you know, here I, on the sports news. <laughs> Stanford will have a head ba- manager opening next year for the basketball team, pending any further NIL transactions. But, you know, about that Giannis quote, Michael Jones actually sent me that tweet uh, when it came out, and he's like, imagine if I said this in the next postgame press <laughs> <laughs> I know, that was a funny quote. <laughs> that, that leads us to our, our next question. If, if this is the final season of Boone on the sideline, are we going to see you suit up? Are we going to see you get some, some minutes? You know, you know, 
that would be it, it would be awesome but i don't know if you guys know but the ncaa did implement a new rule this past summer that disallows managers from ever joining the roster and being able to suit up for a game the reasoning is not behind basketball. It's not an anti Ellis Boone rule. I promise. It is an anti Ellis Boone rule. Told me it's an anti Ellis Boone rule. Okay. The real reason for the rule it came comes from baseball. A lot of teams apparently have been kind of stashing recruits as managers, and then when they have the roster spots, when they have the scholarships open up, they move them from managers to a player. And since it was an issue in baseball, they kind of had to make it an equal rule and just made it for all sports. So unfortunately, you know, the coaches couldn't couldn't have you suit up for one game for senior night. But you know, it's a uh, I'm, I'll be happy just walking out there before the game for senior night with my dad, um, you know, kind of getting the getting the encased jersey and everything, That's and awesome. then uh, you know hopefully hopefully winning the game that night. But, what, yeah. uh, what what number is gonna be on that jersey? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that leads us to only one place, and uh, I don't even know if you'd be allowed to answer, but obviously we like to do predictions on this show, especially ones that are. Uh, Way too, way too far down the line to tell. Um, but starting with really just regular season Pac-12 standings and and regular season record, really, where do you see this Stanford team finishing? One um, with their overall win percentage, what threshold do they meet? As well as where within the Pac-12 standings do they finish? Yeah, I think you know, I honestly, I think this team. You know they're off to a great start in Pac-12 play. I think they do end up finishing in the top four in the conference. Now, exactly where in the top four, kind of hard to hard to predict. But you know, finishing in the top four does give you that buy in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, um, which would be great for this team to kind of rest that first day, and not have to play a game, and then you know make a little run in the conference tournament. And of course, we won't know um, till till March. You know exactly what the bubble projection looks like you know if this team ends up being a top four team in the conference they're probably going to be on the bubble um, heading into that Pac-12 tournament where you know of course you win the tournament you're guaranteed to be in the NCAA tournament um, and if they're on the bubble they're going to be wanting wanting to make a deep run try to win the win the conference tournament uh, so hopefully you know they'll they'll be in that top four projection come the end of the season wow I mean uh I share a similar sentiment. I think that they finish out the season pretty strong. 14 games left. I think at least eight victories there, which means that they would finish the regular season 17 and 13. Probably the best win percentage, at least in the last few years. Uh, Standings-wise, I agree. I think Arizona sneaks back up there. I like Colorado and Utah. I think Stanford and Oregon are going to be battling for that 4-5 and spot. USC, if they can figure things out, definitely a threat. Um, but that remains to be seen. You know, at what point is Bronny James going to take over and show his worth as a top five pick? We don't know. Um, but I like I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just always here on the sports zoo, little skeptical. I remember during football season, we thought we had gotten over the hump and <laughs> we'll slid right back down the mountain. So hopefully, uh, you know, we can keep it up. We had pretty lofty expectations at the end of the year. I, I still stand by Sweet 16 is not out of the question for this team. Um, and, yeah, we, we obviously want nothing but the best for this team. Yeah. And then then, then going into the Pac-12 tournament, um, a couple upset victories these last few years. Can we expect history to not only repeat itself uh, but perhaps even extend a little bit further? Yeah, I mean, if you go back to kind of my my freshman year at Stanford, Oregon State ended up winning the Pac-12 tourney and, you know, going all the way to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, you know, it's never never out of the question to, to make a deep run um, kind of in that conference tournament regardless of where you finish the regular season. 
Um, but I think a top four finish has you feeling good heading into that tournament and really gives you all the confidence to try to make it to the championship game and kind of see where you lie. Yeah, and so beyond this year, kind of circling back to that, what's the sentiment around changing basketball uh, schools in in the locker room? Like, is that going to the ACC? Is that uh, something people are looking forward to? Is it kind of like a oh no moment we have to play Duke in North Carolina? What what's kind of the sentiment around uh, going to the ACC in terms of? Yeah. Strictly basketball. You know, honestly, not too many of the, the players really talk about it because, I mean, kind of as Zach mentioned before, you know, you have a lot of guys that are out of eligibility after this year. So a lot of them won't be able to, you know, play in the ACC next year. But I think, you know, the freshmen are, are excited. A couple of them have talked about, you know, getting to go to cool places like Miami and what have you. <laughs> um, but I think from the coach's point of view, I've only really heard kind of, you know, they're excited to be, you know, one, to still be in a big time conference, ACC, of course, uh, arguably the best the best basketball conference of the last 10, 15 years. Um, and I think the coaches also, though, have, you know, expressed kind of some some complaints about, you know, the travel. Because currently the ACC doesn't do travel partners like the Pac-12 does, where, you know, you go up to Oregon, you're going to play Oregon and Oregon State, you're going to play Washington and Washington State in one trip. You know, the way the ACC works is you could have a Saturday game at Georgia Tech and then Tuesday night you're playing at Syracuse. Oh. Um and that's kind of uh, you know tough coming from from the Bay Area. I mean, it's it tough regardless coming from the Bay Area playing anywhere on the East Coast. But you know those East Coast teams also have to come out to Stanford and Cal to play. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, you know wherever I wherever I live next year, I'll be you know excited to to see Stanford in a new conference. You know I grew up an ACC fan, uh, went to a couple ACC tournaments as a kid. Uh, so I'll be excited to kind of see Stanford in that environment playing against you know. Uh, the teams I kind of grew up rooting for and rooting against, so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. In other words, Els is happy he will not be a manager. Well, <laughs> to the ACC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I sure would miss a lot of school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that huge issue on campus right now: the undergraduate senate, the graduate student council, both trying to pass measures that would give student athletes greater academic flexibility, priority enrollment, to try to make a, a statement towards admin that. You can't expect people to travel this much and, and perform classes here. So interesting conversations happening in college, the college landscape, but also right here, just amongst our, our student body. I mean, border, borderline ridiculous. I, I think uh, I was I was pretty vocal after USC and UCLA made that jump to the Big Ten, which you know you could argue were really began the domino falls. Obviously, Texas and the year before horns down to my man Jacob over there. Uh, <laughs> set the tone but it was that second piece that really set the 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 um you know the cascade it's that's what began it um those kids are not student athletes like this is a whole different ball game els i know you want to become an athletic director down the road uh in other words you're gonna be a businessman you <laughs> <laughs> but uh i guess to wrap up this segment um season long ncaa tournament in the latest bracketology, mind you, updated yesterday, updated yesterday, yesterday takes into account these last five games. Stanford is absent not only from the tournament but from even the last four in and the next four out. What is up with that? Well, if you look, our, our non-conference didn't go as planned. You know, specifically <laughs> looking at the battle Bahamas. for Atlantis. You know, going going zero and three there. Um, 
you know, obviously you don't have you don't have Canaan, but I mean Arkansas was a very winnable game. Looked like we had it in the bag. You know, you're at the free throw line up. I think what up two. You needed to make make the front end of a one on one, and you basically win the game. And then of course you miss that free throw, and they come down tie the game. Goes to two OTs, can't pull it out, and that kind of. I think sends a team down kind of a spiral where you think you're headed to the you know the semifinals of the tournament, but instead you're in the constellation bracket. You're up double digits against Michigan, end up end up losing the game, and then kind of ran out of fumes and got destroyed by Northern Iowa in that third one to go zero and three. And then of course the Santa Clara loss wasn't great, up twelve I think at one point in the first half or maybe second half, um, and end up losing the game by twelve. Yeah. Um, so you know I think definitely a couple of things that could have gone the other way, but you know. The pass, the pass, and definitely hurts Stanford. They've got to do all they can in conference play. I think one team that's about to be on the ESPN bubble picture is Washington State. You know, they beat Arizona last week. If they beat Stanford and Cal, they'll be in the bubble picture. Whereas if Stanford can beat Washington State and Washington, you kind of knock out another p- potential bubble team and uh, kind of move, you know, creep closer to the bubble. The one thing that's nice about the bubble is an ever-changing picture. You know, it's not a not a lock week to week. Um, Stanford kind of takes care of business. Their next, their next four games are very winnable. Mm-hmm. Washington State, Washington at home, at Cal, at Arizona State, and then you've got at Arizona, which you know if you're if you're looking at the grand scheme of things, you probably got a pencil in as a loss. Um, but if you go down, we don't to, do that here. Right, right, right. <laughs> if you if you go down to McHale and you you get a win at Arizona and you take mm-hmm. care of business the next four games, I think you're 100 percent on the bubble picture because you win those next five games and what you're. Nine and nine and two in conference, fourteen and seven. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting. And and the one great thing too about you know getting a win in conference plays it hurts hurts the conference record of that other team. And Washington State's one of our big competitors right now, so it's a huge huge game in Maples tomorrow night. Definitely need all the students there. The student section was great against Utah. I don't know if either of you guys were there, um, but would would love to see both of you tomorrow night in Maples. It is free hats, free hats. And if you are listening in the Stanford area, whether you're a student, an administrator, a staff, a supporter, or just around, definitely go check it out. Stanford men's basketball. And uh, for all of you who maybe can't tune into our to the game, those of you listening around the U.S. stuck in the snowstorm, our listeners across the globe, shout out to our South American team right now. Game will be live here, KZSU ninety point one FM or. On the website, that is kzsu.stanford.edu. That's right, 8 p.m., Jabril, Aaron, and Casey on the call. So, kind of jumping sports now to NFL football. We, in what was had so many storylines. We had Stafford headed back to Detroit. There was Tyreek coming back to Kansas City. Packers and Cowboys. And, you know, none of the games were all that good. L's... Kind of walk us through what you thought about Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, honestly, it was kind of disappointing from a fan point of view. You know, I mean, I'm I'm technically a Commanders fan. Of course, they're not in the playoffs, so kind of as a as a neutral <laughs> as a neutral fan watching the playoffs, there are too many blowouts for my liking. Yeah. You know, you had the Texans beating the Browns 45-14. Um, you had Tampa Bay beating the Eagles 32-9. You had the Packers taking out the Cowboys, even the Bills. You taking out the Steelers, you know the, yeah, it got close. It, it, got, it did get close, but it wasn't really in doubt. And I, you know the one, the one great game of 
kind of the the wild card weekend was of course Lions Rams uh, and I, I watched that one through um, and it was it was great to watch kind of Jacob as you mentioned huge storylines there of course with the with the quarterbacks having swapped places um, and the Lions getting their first playoff win in a very very long time and hosting another game this coming weekend um, but yeah hoping to see a lot better better football here in the divisional round of course the one seeds finally finally taking the field and so as a Commanders fan. Um, no more NFC East teams remain. Uh, Eagles and Cowboys both got the boot. Shout out to my Packers. Uh, gonna be a tough test down at Levi's, but nonetheless, what, what are the remaining teams are, are you cheering for? And mind you, that is a separate question from who do you think will win? Right. right. Um, honestly, I think the team I'm cheering for to win the Super Bowl is the Lions. Um, yeah. it's what I was telling people before the playoffs started, so I didn't just hop on. You know, after after watching them play this past weekend, but yeah, you know, I've kind of just really, you know, become a become a fan of their whole storyline. You know, not having won a playoff game in a long time, and they've got a pretty competitive team. I like watching Amon Ross St. Brown play, um, and, and they, of course Aiden Hutchinson, the hometown guy. My parents are Michigan fans; they both went there for grad school, so have that connection too. Yeah, I mean, good time to be a Michigan fan. You have the you have. Them go ahead, regardless of all their cheating, regardless of how weird Harbaugh is, he gets the job done. Um, you know, with the Lions though, what what have you seen about the fact that the crime rate in Detroit is so low, given that the team is good? Do you are you a believer in in that theory, or do you believe to you know some of the other effects of the policing changes have? You know, I'm, I'm just going to choose not to answer that question. I <laughs> I don't know too much about the crime in Detroit to really to really give you a good answer on that. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you this: carjacking, <laughs> murder, homicide rate, and um, weapons or injuries as a result of gunshots were all at the lowest in 60 years. Lions were eleven and three in both. Years. I mean, that's also surprising because the Pistons are the worst team in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> it's a football city. <laughs> they had to give up some, something for the Lions to come back. <laughs> uh, so, okay, rooting for the Lions. Which team is the most dangerous, in your opinion? Um, honestly, as of late, I think I'm going to say the Bills. I think the Bills are the most dangerous um, in the AFC and in the NFC. The 49ers, of course. Interesting. I I mean, it's always tough with teams coming off a bye week and then having the first round bye, or they rested their starters and then had the bye. Bills are a surprising answer to me just with how turnover prone Josh Allen is, but he can potentially. You know, know, Josh Allen gives, but he also takes. Um, (laughs) It takes a lot for sure. But um, I I just think that, you know, when you you put Josh Allen's back against the wall, he is going to turn over a bit, but he's also going to give you a pretty prolific performance, passing yards, touchdowns. Um, And, you know, that's going to be a very cold game playing the Chiefs up in Buffalo. Um, But I think think that might be kind of the most competitive game we'll see um, in this this divisional round. Um, But I think I think the Bills the Bills are kind of my my pick in the AFC right now, and then of course I'm riding with the Lions in the NFC. So you know, as I'm sure you're aware, Taylor canceled her concert in New York. Now she's ha- if she chooses to go, we'll have to end up in Buffalo. Does that add any extra motivation for for either team? <laughs> um, I don't I don't think it adds any extra motivation. Uh, I mean these these guys have been seeing those those storylines all season. It shouldn't be a novelty to look up and see Taylor Swift in a box. I mean, I also don't know if any of the any of the Bills players are really looking up to see if they can see Taylor Swift at the game. You know, interesting that uh, 
Josh Allen, for some reason in my mind, I thought the Chiefs were his kryptonite. He's 3-1 and one in his career against the Chiefs. Has not lost since 2020. Um, you know, I do see a lot of dogging him. I also see it, you know, like they've been just such a, a variable team this year. You don't know what... Wait, quick question. I thought Allen was 0-2 versus Mahomes in the playoffs. Oh, uh, regular season. I was like, I didn't give a number. You're talking about the regular season? Ain't nobody say, worried about that. <laughs> our, our, our intern statistician giving us the wrong information. Uh, you know, we'll dismiss him after the episode. But yeah, okay, so uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Mahomes and the Chiefs, kind of the Allen kryptonite. Is he able to get over the hump here? Mahomes? Yeah. No, 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 Allen. Allen? I think Allen does. I mean, you've seen Mahomes supporting cast. Hasn't been that great this yeah. season. It's been a down year for Kelsey, and then the receivers have just been so topsy-turvy um, with drops and everything. I think, you know, Buffalo Buffalo ends up ends up winning. Their offense is just a little bit more reliable right now. Yeah, I mean, super interesting storyline. Patrick Mahomes has never had an away playoff game. Buffalo, super crazy. Do you think that becomes a factor or do you think Patrick Mahomes is someone that has enough experience overall is calm and collected enough that that playing in an away playoff atmosphere for the first time won't rattle him yeah you know I'm never going to doubt Patrick Mahomes he's you know quickly become the best the best quarterback in this league um so I think he's well equipped to go in and do that one storyline that I actually just saw for the first time today you know Buffalo might not be able to practice the rest of the week um they've got severe weather warnings with with heavy snow um, the next couple of days where it's so dangerous that they can't even have the players come drive to the practice facility so they're considering having to cancel practice tomorrow Um, and if that if that happens it seriously puts the you know the Chiefs at a bit of an advantage here yeah I mean Zach if you're Kathy Hochul mayor or sorry governor of New York are you granting the Bills players an exemption how are you getting around this I Will not be doing that, okay? Yeah. If I'm in that position as a politician, I know better. However, maybe behind the scenes, I'm uh, assisting them in finding some other accommodations. Uh, the Bills should head to the Midwest, even though it will be cold and won't be snowy, okay? They need their practice reps. Hell, the city of Buffalo needs them to get their practice reps. Yeah, and I mean, she is from Buffalo, born and raised, first female governor of New York, first governor from upstate she knows the conditions, so it really makes you think, what really is happening in Buffalo? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like This blizzard must be something if a Buffalo citizen is saying, no, don't let them practice. That's <laughs> but. Well, well, Jacob, over there, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about your Celtics, but I'm curious, uh, Texas football, uh, the Texans are still live. Is that going to be the team that you have, uh, you, you know, that you're rooting for at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think as just a general sports fan, my parents grew up, all my friends grew up, you either support, you kind of have two options. You can either like root for Dallas or the Texans and then kind of like the other, or you uh, like root for one probably much more intensely and then absolutely hate the other. Mm-hmm. We grew up where like we rooted for the Cowboys, but the Texans were still... Uh, like fun to watch, um, especially whenever they were like some of the the players back whenever they were the Oilers and stuff. So I don't really. I mean, I think there's a few good players that I'll root for more than the Texans. Um, like I do really like C.J. Stroud. I really like Lamar Jackson. So I don't really necessarily have a team as much like that. That like not I don't, I'm not rooting for the Texans, but 
rooting for the underdogs, rooting for some of those players. Uh, yeah. So if you're a listener to the sports you, in other words, nothing is new. Jacob is still a bandwagon. No, no, no. I mean, I was <laughs> the Cowboys are eliminated, so I'm kind of still mourning that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, I hate the 49ers, but now the Packers just came in and dominated us. So do I root for the team that just whooped us or the team that I was rooting against? It's yeah. kind of like, if you can't beat them, eh. I'm really I don't like Josh Allen and or Patrick Mahomes, so that's another <laughs> L stadium. And then Baker Mayfield went to OU, so I don't really like the Bucks. <laughs> I was rooting for Stafford, so that's an L. And then the two teams I actually do like are playing against each other, so I'm just like it's a tough week for me as a fan. <laughs> so if you're an NFL team, you're just hoping Jacob Nidig is not rooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or in college too, because um, the playoffs is where my teams go to die. First Texans <laughs> and now the Cowboys. All right, well, Els, it sounds like you're predicting a Niners-Bills matchup in the Super Bowl. Is that right? No, I'm going to go Lions-Bills. Wow, wow. So Lions-Bills, can we get a final score prediction as well? Lions-Bills, you know, I think I think the Bills get it done in that matchup. Final score, I'm going to go with a 31-21. There you go. I think we'll go ahead and hold off right now on our predictions, unless you're ready to give one, Zach. I, you know. Why don't we just go go around and do each of these games? Like uh, just yeah, all yeah. four we, games. Yeah, game by game. Packers versus Niners. Uh, a real heartbreaker because uh, every single year it feels like, as a Packers fan, this playoff matchup would roll up right around my birthday and I would watch either Colin Kaepernick run all over the Packers defense. I'd watch another classic Aaron Rodgers choke job in the NFC Championship. Hell, one time I even saw Raheem Mostert go for like 200 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Not a good feeling. (sighs) As a fan... I, did you watch whenever they stole the game from us when Des caught it, or were you too young? So in any, by the way, Packers uh, still and will always own the Cowboys, but that's irrelevant because the Cowboys are gone. Uh, the fan in me obviously and wants Kuhn the Packers. And is nice this year. <laughs> fan, fan in me obviously wants the Packers, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the Niners in this one, 34 to 21 over the Packers. Bucks Lions, give me former number one overall pick Jared Goff showing that full potential. I'll take them thirty six to twenty seven. Uh, Texans Ravens, Lamar Jackson's gonna do Lamar Jackson things. They take that one forty two to seventeen, and then Chiefs Bills probably the marquee matchup of the weekend. Uh, I like Josh Allen prevailing in this one with the Bills winning thirty one to twenty. Els, give us your your four around the horn. Yeah, I'm going to go 49ers over the Packers. Uh, I don't think this one is terribly close. I think it's going to be 31-10. Oh. Uh, Lions. Love is the truth. <laughs> That's Lions. an intramural uh, forfeit right there, Els. <laughs> one, one of the brightest coaching minds in intramural Stanford sports right now. <laughs> uh, I got the Lions over the Bucks. Um, score-wise, I'll go... 28-17. Ravens handled the Texans, although the Texans impressed me last weekend. But I I like the Ravens here. Pretty similar to Zach. I'll go 35-21. And then Bills over the Chiefs, 17-10. Cold conditions. Bills offense just a little bit better. Absolutely. And so to finish up, I think relatively agree with those two Ravens and 49ers, I think, handle it with ease. I'm looking at 14 to 24-point wins. Bills, I think, 
uh, win in a little bit bigger game than you would expect. I, I think Patrick Mahomes struggles greatly in this game. The weather, the away atmosphere, his wide receivers also just can't catch. I think they win maybe twenty four to twenty four to ten for the Bills, and then I will say Bucks upset the Lions. Stay safe in Detroit. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Bucks take it home though. Wow. So so. Not consensus across the boards, but clearly a good slate of games this weekend. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned we have quite the coach over there in the booth with Els Boone. Talking about coaching, uh, seven open vacancies uh the coaching position at the NFL level with perhaps more to come. Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni could be on their way out. I saw that little eyebrow furl. Eagles fans, brace yourselves. Let's be real. It's time to move on. Um, Harbaugh and Belichick, in my opinion, the two two guys that you're going to want. Who else? About do you... Saban. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 perhaps Saban. Who, who who even knows? Maybe Don Shula will come back. For <laughs> um, who do you guys have your eyes on, and and what role is most appealing to you? Uh, to me, the most appealing role. I know they have some some cap issues, but I think the Chargers' job has to be the most appealing. Herbert uh, is one of the top five quarterbacks in this league. Um, and if you can, you know, kind of figure out those those salary salary roster issues, you know, you can build this team into a Super Bowl contender pretty quickly. Um, so I think Chargers has to be the best opening right now, and I think Harbaugh is pretty perfectly fit for that role. I think he just has to decide if he wants to stay in Michigan or not. Um, he interviewed for the Falcons job yesterday, so he's certainly taking his time making his rounds around the NFL. Um, and I think he'll come back to the table with Ward Manuel, Michigan's athletic director, um, and kind of look at look at different contract options and see if he wants to keep recruiting in the future. If he just wants to, you know, in the off season go to Cancun, like like <laughs> Jacob said. Um, and it'll be interesting. I, I do think, you know, much to it's going to break my dad's heart, but I think he's going to choose the NFL. Um, he might choose sunny, sunny LA and go, go with the Chargers. Um, in terms of Bill Belichick, I think he does keep coaching as well. You know, I think the Seahawks is a pretty, pretty interesting opening. Um, maybe, but you know, if, I don't know if the Seahawks want Pete Carroll 2.0, which I think Bill Belichick would be. Um, so I think if, if Bill, Bill takes a job, maybe it's the Falcons. I know he interviewed for there earlier in the week. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if you look at, if you look at the teams, Chargers got to be one, and I p- maybe put Seahawks the second most uh, enticing option. Yeah, I definitely think if you're a head coach, looking at who the quarterback is is probably the biggest factor. Besides, like deal with the ownership, Seattle. You've got Drew Locke, Geno. Obviously, you have Justin Herbert. Carolina intrigues me for the reason of Bryce Young, but I think the job that I'm most interested in, if I'm looking to turn something around, is. The Atlanta Falcons. Whoa. Uh, Arthur Smith, you know, three very disappointing years. Um, and I think this is like a really young team that has really squandered a lot of draft, draft prospects. You see Kyle Pitts. Uh, everything happens with Calvin Ridley. Now you have Bijan Robinson. Still no quarterback in sight, but that defensive line is something that you could work with. You have some skill positions. I think if you get the right guy, the right scheme, and you're able to draft a quarterback this year, maybe you trade up and get someone good, um, or even you wait till next year whenever Quinn Ewers comes out. That could be a potential uh, <laughs> great, great option. There you go, the true Texas fan <laughs> coming out. Um, well, with that, we turn the page on both Stanford basketball and the NFL. 
with just a few minutes here to go, we're going to take a quick look around the farm and what storylines are biggest within Stanford Athletics, beginning with Tara Vanderveer, two wins away from history and two games coming up this weekend. Um, Els, is, is this the time history is made once again for the legendary head coach? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely it's definitely coming. Um, the one the one craziest thing about this storyline is Gino Ariema is right on her heels. You know, if and if this is you know as people expect Tara's last year, she may not have the record for too long, which would be which definitely is a little little upsetting. But you know, just getting the record in the first place is a huge achievement. I'll definitely you know hopefully it happens here at here at Maples, not during a road game. Um, definitely got beat. The team did get beat by Colorado, which pushed back the timeline a bit, but still on track to to happen at Maples, and hopefully it does. Hundred percent. Otherwise, Stanford men's gymnastics returning to the gym. For those of you who don't know, uh, at least in my opinion, perhaps the greatest program uh, actively within Stanford athletics. Um, three straight, four straight national champions, something like that. Um, they returned and kicked off the season with the Cal Benefit Cup, uh, defeating host Cal. Always a good day to beat the Cal Bears. Um, and then after that, men's volleyball also starting off the year 4-0. They have the number eight ranking overall in the country pretty good. And it's that time of the year, swimming and diving, getting things started. A lot of good Stanford sports to look forward to the rest of this year. Yeah, uh, so a huge shout out to Els for joining us on show here. As always, my name is Jacob Nidick, your co-host here on KZSU 90.1 FM. Joined in studio with Zach Zaffron for the first rendition of this year, this quarter's Sports Zoo. 